Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Arise to Truth. My name is Wesley Simons, and I preach for the Stony Creek Church of Christ in Elizabethan, Tennessee. My name is Ethan Tate. I'm a third-year student at the Tri-C School of Preaching and the preacher at the Red Oak Church of Christ in Weaverville, North Carolina. I'm Elton Mathers, the Dean of Curriculum at the Tri-City School of Preaching and Christian Development, the preacher at the Mount Olivet Church of Christ in Greenville, Tennessee. Boy, it's good to have these men with us. Great to have you with us by radio and Internet. Thank you much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. This is a program that's inquisitive as far as looking at various doctrines, trying to determine from the Bible exactly what's right. We will allow you to even express opposing views. But if you do, please give book, chapter, and verse so that our listening audience can examine the information for where to draw only those conclusions which are warranted by the evidence. Now, it may be that you're listening to us on WZAP 690. Thank you much for that. You can also get us on FM 93.3, and you can also get us on the Internet by going on the Internet, typing in AriseToTruth.com. When our web page comes up, click on the banner, Listen Live Here. Now, I told you all that so that if you've got a friend, a loved one that's out of town, out of state, out of country, call them. Tell them to listen to Arise to Truth. Get on the Internet, pull up that website, click on Listen Live here. You've got us up close and personal. Not only that, they can be a part of the program by calling 512-9226, 512-9226. Now, if they're outside the immediate calling area, remind them they'll have to dial the area code 423 then 512-9226. Hey, Ethan, I think you got some exciting news about our radio program. I do. It's always been the desire for the Arise to Truth program to be available to all of our listeners beyond the radio and beyond the Internet. So we're excited to announce that the program is now being transferred over to be available on podcast. You can download podcasts at no cost, which is all that we ask for listening to program, nothing more than your time. We're not asking for money. You don't have to pay for anything for it. Just download it. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor FM, Radio Public, and a couple other podcast providers. We're in the process, though, of uploading all of our programs, so be patient with us on that. But as we have new programs in the coming years, Lord willing, we'll upload those immediately, but we're just excited to offer this free resource, not just for you, but if you hear something on here that you think would be good for others to listen to, download it for them, give it to them, put it on CD if you want to, but we want this accessible beyond the internet and put into your phones. The more ways that you can share the gospel, the better. We appreciate Ethan and Logan Kraft doing a beautiful job working with the media here at the school, and they're doing a great job. There's going to be a whole lot of new features that we've not had in days gone by. We're updating, and so if you look on the Internet, you might not find our latest programs, but it's, as Ethan said, be patient with us. It, uh, we'll get it there. 
And, boy, we'll keep adding them as we do them, and you will love it, hopefully. All right, fellas, let's talk about this concept of what if it's not in the Bible. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, denominational preacher, well, I got my belief system out of the Bible. And a member of the church said, you said that correctly, because it's not in the Bible. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. What if it's not in the Bible? And we're going to show you several things that would be true if you believe something that's not found in the Bible. Number one, it's not a good work. Now, you want to do only those things which are good works in the sight of God. The Bible says all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Well, Wesley, where are you going to go to find out what works you ought to be involved in? Find out what the plan of salvation is. Find out how to worship. Find out which church to be a member of. What moral code to endorse. Where are you going to go? Well, I'm going to go to an inspired volume. And that, namely, is the Bible. I'm going to go to the Word of God because it's profitable. I know it's profitable. For it says it is profitable for doctrine. Oh, what gets me here, fellas? The religious world don't want to talk about doctrine. Oh, doctrine divides us. Let's not talk about doctrine. Forget the plan. Praise God. Let's talk about the man. Well, friends, you can have the man without the plan. And that's what a lot of people want. But the Word of God does not allow such. Now, when we turn, fellas, to John 12 and verse number 48... I want you to notice something. He that rejecteth me, that's the man, and receiveth not my words, that's the plan, hath one, that's the man, that judgeth him, the word, that's the plan, that I, that's the man, have spoken, that's the plan, the same, that's the plan, shall judge him. In the last day, there's no such thing as taking the man without the plan. So as we go back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the Bible says some scripture is given by inspiration. No, that's not what it says. Now, we've had callers, if you'll remember, in days gone by that didn't want to buy into Genesis 1 and 2, well, really Genesis 1 through 11, didn't want to buy into some other things in the Bible that they had a problem with. So they have called and said, Now, Wesley, we believe that some of the Bible's inspired, but not all of it. To which I responded, Get his telephone number. Because we're going to have to call him to find out when we're reading the Bible if this part's inspired or not. How ridiculous, friends. Who put him in charge of inspiration? The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now watch it. And it's profitable. 
profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me, Wesley, you mean I take the scriptures and get after someone and tell them they're wrong? That's right. For correction. It even tells us how to get right. And for instruction in righteousness, it even tells us how to stay right. That the man of God may be perfect or complete, truly furnished, completely furnished, absolutely furnished unto all good works. Now, friends, if it's not in the Bible, then it's not a good work. Now, we're talking about things like denominational churches, the sinner's prayer, women preachers, mechanical instruments of music, burning of incense, confessing sins to a priest, the pope, calling the preacher pastor, or any other exalted name. We're talking about anything not found in the Word of God is not a good work. You know, Wesley, I would also say, too, the Bible's written mainly because mankind has a disease. That disease is called sin. That's right. I think it's interesting that people reject the prescription from the great physician. Jesus' words are very easy to understand and very straightforward. Why in the world we think that our way is better than his is outside of me. It's almost like, even though it says, well, it is profitable for doctrine. Well, what does the doctor on the matter say? He says that we have to oblige or abide in his word. We have to abide in his teachings. And if we don't abide in his teachings, then the Bible would tell us that we don't abide with God. If we transgress or go against the doctrines of Christ, then we have not the Father nor the Son. We have to oblige by where Scripture stands and where Scripture speaks. Another idea I was thinking of, of not good works, is it outside the Bible? Is there any other time that I can give besides the first day of the week and it be scriptural and pleasing to God? Well, if you're not laying by in store what you've prospered and you're not heeding to what Paul told the Corinthian brethren, then no, having these car washes set up because we can't find a time to lay by in store what we prospered. No, Paul said do it on the first day of the week. If we're not willing to go by that, then really what are we going by? That's right. Milton, you got a comment? Yeah, it's interesting too. I had someone immediate family say well you uh you just believe that you just follow everything that the bible says and there's nothing outside the bible that you can do without god's authorization i said that's ridiculous i mean you have to live everyday life you know you have to go out and breathe and you have to you know function in life but when it comes to godly living god has given us all the information boy we better be in that book we better be sound in that book that God has given us because he has the answers to everybody's problem, uh, spiritually speaking, as well as just living a, a life. You know, we go to the book of Proverbs, the book of Peter and James, everyday living type of information God has given us. It's interesting that Paul had put Timothy at Ephesus for a very purpose to uh, concerning these false teachers that were there, these Jewish false teachers. And uh, verse 7 of chapter 1, he says, Desiring be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Oh, they wanted to teach all right, but they had no clue what they were going to teach. They didn't have an understanding of what God wanted them to teach. 
So Timothy had a big responsibility there, just like we have the responsibility today as well, to check them out. First, uh, First John chapter four, verse one. You know, test and prove and try the spirits whether God or not. Boy, there's a bunch of them out there that's not from God. And uh, even in Second Timothy chapter four, our responsibility is, and we train our preacher students as well, is to preach the word. Verse two. And in your preaching, always be ready to preach, be instant season, out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. And the reason being is verse 5, for the time will come when they will notice, not in dear sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We sure have a lot of those in the Church of Christ. You know, we, uh, we condemn those members of the body of Christ that are not faithful as well. Even those preachers who stand up and are teaching something different than what God authorized to be taught. And boy, we are in a lot of trouble within ourselves as well as those in the denominational world. And there's a whole host of them, Wesley. You're exactly right, Milton. In our chapel today, we talked about we got to take a stand, even if it's against our own brethren. They teach error. They teach that which is wrong then we got to take a stand. We do it in love. We do it in kindness. But a stand must be taken. Otherwise, the church is going to lose her identity. And it won't be long until it'll be hard to find the Lord's church upon the face of the earth. Now, Milton, I was thinking a moment ago when you made some comments about we, in essence, have to have God's wisdom to lead us and to guide us. When somebody comes to me with a marriage problem, husband and a wife, I let them know, I don't have the wisdom to help you, but I know someone who does, Mm -hmm. and that's God Almighty. Now, if you listen to God, I can help you, because I can tell you what he said. But if you will not listen to God, I'll be wasting my time. Now, are you willing to listen to God? I asked him that. Are you willing to accept his answers? Well, yeah, okay. Well, the wife tells me every time I say something he don't like, he slaps me. And I said, well, you can't do that. You got to listen to God. You're to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You're to love your wife as you love your own body. So you can't be slapping around on your wife because you wouldn't slap around on yourself. And then the husband says, yeah, but she won't sleep with me. And I tell her, well, now you can't do that either. 1 Corinthians 7, 2 through 5, teaches that if you don't sleep with your mate, you defraud your mate, you steal from your mate, based on what the Word of God says. Well, she won't listen to me. Then I tell her, as long as he don't violate God's Word, the Bible says that you are to submit to him. He is the head of the house. And I give them scriptures and so forth. You see, as long as we take God's word, then we can solve these problems if we're honest enough to submit to his will. And that's what we're talking about. What if it's not in the Bible? See, if it's not in the Bible, friends, it's going to be hard to solve these problems. Mm -hmm. But God has put the answers in the Bible. You know what's wrong with America? She's doing that which is not in the Bible. While divorce for any and every cause, America has endorsed gambling. 
America has endorsed homosexuality. America has endorsed abortion. And thank God that we're opening our eyes some on that subject. Mm-hmm. And some people don't like it. But praise God that we're making some headway there. And it's going to be a rough road back trying to get America lined up with the teachings of the Bible so that we can truthfully say again, America is a Christian nation. And we want to be that. All right, uh, let's look at another point, fellas. If it's not in the Bible, it does not pertain to life and godliness. You see, I need to know what's going to produce spiritual life. i got to know what's going to cause me to be godly. So, where am I going to find it? Well, according to First Peter or Second Peter one verse three, according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, where is it found? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Did you notice there's a connection between knowledge and having life and godliness, spiritual life? And godliness. See, a lot of people might be fornicating and not realize they're in fornication or living in adultery and not know that. They might even be in a denominational church thinking they're on their way to glory and not realize that they're doomed because they're obeying the creeds, the doctrines, the precepts of men. Then you have people like the Mormons come and knock on your door and they try to sell you on another book the Book of Mormon, and other books that Joseph Smith has written and so forth. But listen to me, friends. I want to know if this is a true statement that in the Bible we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You better believe it's true. And I asked those Mormon elders, and they can't be elders because they're not married, and they don't have believing children, They don't meet the qualifications set forth in God's Word. I asked them this. Did Peter, did Paul, did the apostles in the first century truly preach everything the people needed for life and godliness? Here the Bible says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, did they do that, preach everything these people needed for life and godliness in the first century? You know what those elders have got to admit? Yes, they did. You know what? They did it without the Book of Mormon. And if they did it without the Book of Mormon, I don't need the Book of Mormon. All I need is the Word of God. Did they, did they do it without the sayings of the Pope? Oh, yes. Did they do it without the writings of Charles Taze Russell, Ellen G. White, Mary Baker Eddy, or anyone else who claims to give modern-day revelation? You better believe they did. Modern-day revelation is false. We got in the Bible everything we need. Now, people, smarten up. When someone comes to your door and tries to tell you they got new revelation. That's not found in the Bible. You just tell them that the Word of God itself affirms that within its pages, we have all things 
that pertains unto life and godliness. And truly we do, Ethan. You know, it's almost like the same way the psalmist would say in Psalm 73. He almost is drawing this idea of people who had gone out, their eyes stood out with fatness, they had more than what their heart could wish, yet they were corrupt and they spoke wickedly concerning their oppressions. And the psalmist is almost in this chapter going through this idea, trying to figure out why is it that the wicked people act the way that they do. And he starts looking at the consequences of people who live their life saying, I don't need God. Who is God? Who is he to tell me that I need to do what I need to do. I think that's hogwash. I should live my life the way that I should. However, they even state in Psalm 73, verse 11, they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world and they increase in riches. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. But look at verse 17. He considers their way and he looks at their end and he says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely thou hast set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. If we live our lives thinking that we can do whatever we want, however we want, and think that it's going to be okay with God, we've got it all wrong. If we try to seek out the understanding of God in what he has revealed to us, then yes, it is all things that pertain to life and godliness. Us trying to establish our own life and godliness is a slippery slope leading to destruction. That's right, Ethan, and... Even goes to Father there in Second uh, Peter, <clears throat> chapter one, and talking about add to your faith virtue, virtue knowledge, goes along what uh, just talked about there in verse three that God's given us all things pertaining life and godliness, and our part of it is is come to that knowledge of those great truths. Every Christian faithful child of God should have these characteristics in their life. That faith, add to your faith virtue, that's moral uprightness, moral excellency, as another translation has it. And a virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, temperance, and a temperance, patience, and patience, godliness. And guiding a brother, kindness, and brother, kindness, love. For if these things be in you, that's all of those things, and abound that to make you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we always... You know, preach sermons on this. We try to encourage members of the body of Christ to grow in knowledge. And Second uh, Peter chapter three verse eighteen says that grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory forever, both now and forever. Amen. And uh, people are just not reading their Bibles anymore. They're not picking up and reading them. They're taking a the preacher at his word. So their their faith is kind of wavery. They're like in the middle of the road type faith. You know they want to they want to believe it, but yet they believe something else. And current uh, concerning knowledge, they don't have a knowledge. You couldn't. You ask most members, sadly, that's been in the church for three, thirty, forty years, can't give you the plan of salvation with book, chapter, and verse. That's a sad commentary concerning us. And uh, we always encourage our preacher students in my class, the preacher's work class. Every lesson has to have the plan of salvation with book, chapter, and verse. And um, then they get to the point that they have that memorized because they're repeating it over and over and over again. And we re at all, at all of our meetings on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night Bible class and gospel meetings and vacation Bible schools, 
Any time that the word of God is being preached, the plan of salvation is always given for members to to hear it, to believe it, to obey it, and then to recount it to others what's required of them to be saved. But sadly, that's not the case. And uh, we're either not doing our job or we're doing it and they're not listening, Wesley. That's exactly right. You know, we're talking about what if it's not in the Bible? And we're showing you if it's not in the Bible, then it certainly cannot be of good works. It doesn't pertain unto life and godliness. Let me give you uh, one. I listed several things, faith only. Well, that's not in the Bible. Not at all. The only time faith only is mentioned, you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone, James 2.24. Now, I want you to look, since we're in Second Peter 1, and Milton brought up what we usually call the Christian graces. Verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Notice it's not faith only. Mm-hmm. Anybody that does not do what Peter says here is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So Peter's saying you got to add these things to your faith. Not only that, when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1, 2, 3, it talks about even if a man has faith so great, he could remove mountains, but hath not love, it will profit him nothing. So faith alone without love will not profit. See, you've got to have biblical love. When the Lord was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. The second is likened to it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And I tell people wherever I preach, all you got to do to go to heaven is two things. Get right with God. Get right with your fellow man. That means you love God sufficiently. You obey whatever he says one needs to obey to be saved. You live the way he says live. And you treat your fellow man right. You love him. And even when he's wrong, you love him enough to tell him in love and kindness. You don't try to destroy him. No. We're in the seek and rescue business, not the seek and destroy business. And that's very important that we understand this. Then another point, fellas, that I want us to look at, that if it's not in the Bible, it causes one not to have God. Now, you think about that. We're talking about serious stuff here, folks. In Second John 9, the Bible says, Whoso transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Now, the American Standard teaches that whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. So if you go beyond the Word of God, then you don't have God Almighty. Let's say, I don't like this commandment, so I invent another. Well, Lord, what do you think about that? In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, Mark 7, 7. And so i got to be very careful to make sure that what I'm doing is based upon the thus saith the Lord. Not of thus saith some preacher, 
not thus saith the Pope, or not or thus saith my feelings. I've got to do what the Word of God tells me to do. If I don't, I'm in trouble. Arise to truth on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello, hello, Wesley. This is Marcus. How you doing? I'm doing good, Marcus. You doing well? Uh, I, I'd like you to uh, talk about Matthew real quick. Uh, Matthew chapter six, verse seven, in regards to vain repetition. Okay. Uh, kind of explain, kind of to the viewing audience. Um, now, what is vain repetition, and and uh, uh, kind of touch up on that verse for me. Your mind. I'll be glad to do it, Marcus. All righty. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Well, there's a phone call from the great state of Kentucky, and we appreciate Marcus Barnes very much. He's a good friend, and we often discuss the scriptures. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 6, and let's look at verse number 7. Now, as you know, the Pharisees love to be heard. For their much speaking are long prayers. And the Lord told them they didn't have to pray forever for a prayer to be heard. I called on a man one time in a gospel meeting to pray, and it seemed like he prayed 15 minutes. And I told members of the church, if I'd have known he'd have been that far behind on his praying, why well, wouldn't have called on him? See, we need to realize that we're heard by God Almighty when we sincerely express our heart's desires. Now, if we're qualified, first of all, you've got to be qualified to pray. That's right. You've got to be in Christ, a child of God. Now, look at verse 5, beginning. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now, if one's praying is simply to be seen of men, uh, let me show you how holy I am now. I'm fixing to bow my head and pray. Everybody looking? Uh, make sure you're looking. Now, that's the way some people are. Then verse 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. In other words, your prayer life should be between you and your Heavenly Father. He knows what you have need of. He knows what you can handle, and he knows how to answer prayer perfectly. Yeah, but it may not be what I want, Wesley. Yeah, but God knows how to answer prayer perfectly. You know, uh, there have been some songs written, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. Boy, how true that is. You know, that uh, if we'd have gotten what we wanted down back, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, no telling where we might be now, unfaithful, whatever, and God knew that. All right, now verse 7, the verse under consideration. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions. Now notice, as the heathen do. Now let's add, uh, let me go and finish the verse. Where they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. And the point is, don't just keep repeating a thing over and over and over and over so that you can have a long prayer. I've seen preachers get up and preach, and they had about 10 minutes worth of material, and drag it out 45 minutes and bore everybody to death. I mean, just kill them. I heard a man say one time about a denominational preacher, said, I'll never go back and hear him. I said, well, what's the problem? He's a liar. 
Why do you call him a liar? He said, and now in conclusion, I know four or five times, and he never did conclude until he got right down there until the clock had caught him. Well, when it comes to vain repetition, let's ask some questions. Number one, is it wrong to pray for a thing more than one time? No. Paul prayed for the thorn in the flesh to be removed three times. Jesus prayed three times that if it be the Father's will, that the cup would be removed from him. So notice it is not wrong to repeat things. As a matter of fact, you better be repeating some things, such as, Father, please forgive me for my sins. Father, help me to be more humble and submissive to your will. Help me care about other people and As we look at our prayer life, we ought to more and more take the spotlight off self and pray for other people. Now, here's somebody sick. Let's just take my mom. My mom's been sick. She had a heart attack. She's in the hospital. Well, I prayed for her over and over and over and over and over again. When I'm with her, I pray with her. Well, is that a vain repetition? No. But now, I called on a man one time to pray. And he did something like this. Father, we thank you for the material things we have. We thank you for the material things our children's got. We thank you for the material things our children's children's got. And we thank you for the material things that even their children is going to have. And then he go to another point. And we thank you, Father, for all the blessings we have here in this congregation, and we thank you for our children's sake that has those same blessings, and our children's children, and our children's children's children, and even their children. Now, every time he brought up anything for which he is praying, he went through that process, and he would say, Father, we thank you for our health. We thank you for our children's health. We thank you for our children's children's health. We thank you for our children, children's health, and even their health that they enjoy. Well, the point is, he could have condensed that and thank God for the health of his family. You see what I mean? And not go through all that vain repetition of having to elongate the prayer. And he is uh, the man I mentioned a moment ago that prayed for about 15, 20 minutes. And it was because of all the extra wording he put in the prayer, which was not necessary. And he took away from preaching time because he put that extra verbiage in there. Now, here's here's something, though, that I want to make a footnote on. Assuming that man was sincere from the heart and meant every word of that, wanting to pray for his children, his children's children, his children, children's children, Wesley, would you classify that as vain reputation that God would be highly upset with? No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. See, sincerity has a lot to do with this. And because somebody repeats himself in a prayer, Marcus, I'd be very careful before I'd confront anybody and say, hey, you're repeating that over and over and over. Now, a man did something one time I think is... uh, 
very valuable, and I had a list, and I'd give anything if I'd have kept it. Things that we say in our prayer over and over because we've heard other people say them. Lead, guard, and direct us. Keep us, Lord, until we come back at the next appointed time. You know, and, and there's about a hundred of these statements that you wouldn't believe that when you listen to a prayer led by a good brother, as sincere as he is, if he's not careful, he gets into a repetitive mode of trying to parrot what he's heard rather than express his heart's desire to God Almighty. So we got to try to learn to express our heart's desire to God. I know Kay and I, when we eat, we always pray. I pray and lead the prayer. But friends, there's only so many ways you can thank God for your food. You know, <laughs> so it's got to be repetitive. You know, you'd like to come up with uh, maybe a thousand different ways you could thank God for what you got every day. But as long as you're sincere and honest, God knows. And we trust God with our prayer life. You know, Wesley, the word there, when it talks about use not vain repetition, the Greek word there literally means I'm chattering or I'm speaking empty words. When Paul would speak to the Corinthian brethren, he would say, when I pray or when you pray, pray with what? Understanding. Know what it is that you're praying for when you are praying. If you're eligible to lead in the worship service, make sure that you understand what you're saying before you say it. I think one of the funniest things that I ever hear is give him a ready recollection of mm-hmm. the things for which he is about to speak. Well, if your preacher ain't studied, guess what he's not going to have? Ready recollection. It's just going to be on the forefront of his mind that I didn't study. I hope I actually come up with a good sermon. Uh, but even with our prayers We don't need to be, as Wesley, you already pointed out, we don't need to be just saying things because we always heard it. There is a principle of learning in that. But at the same time, we do need to be praying sincerely from the heart. And if we're not praying sincerely from the heart, then what are we even saying? Well, it sounded good to say it. Don't say it because it sounds good. Say it because you're saying it with sincerity and truthfulness of the heart and of spirit. And if you are going to make a long-winded prayer, there is an appropriate time for a long prayer And there's an appropriate time for a short prayer. Don't feel like you have to feel all eternity to pray to the one who inhabits all eternity. Um, We just need to be very careful, especially even in addressing people with prayers. Um, Pay attention at times when people just feel like they say the same things over and over and over and over again. Some people actually are trained to say the same prayer every single time because they honestly can't come up with a new prayer or speak on the spot with prayers. So we need to be uh, somewhat conscious of that when people are praying as well. That's where the Bible gives us instructions to grow in knowledge in that area of prayer. From the very beginning of time all the way up to where uh, we are today, uh, prayer is listed in the Bible umpteen times, so it's important. All of God's people were praying people, and we need to be praying people, and prayer is important. So if you don't have prayer in your life, you need prayer in your life right. as a faithful child of God. And give God thanks for everything. We're supposed to do that, and that involves prayer. I know every morning I have that. I get up early in the morning, and the uh, first thing I do after I fix the cup cup of coffee is uh, I have a prayer, and I have specific names that I pray for every every day, and uh, I try to. I don't recall that being re- repetitive, 
but it's being mindful of the ones that need my prayer. And uh, I hope everybody else is doing the same thing. I tell the people, brethren at Mount Olivet, I pray for them every day and hope that they're praying for me as well, that uh, I still have health to go preach, to go help them out with preaching and teaching the Word of God, and uh, pray for the Stony Creek congregation as well. I attend here on Wednesday night Bible class because I'm gone all day Sunday. And so uh, pray for them as well. Arise to, oops, wrong button. Arise to truth, you on the air. Go ahead, please. Hey, Wesley, I, I got a, uh, one of the church members who left Catholicism. Uh, he said that passage right there kind of got him to thinking about, uh, his, his prayer life, you know, doing his, I don't know, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs, but maybe the rosary or something. And he just kept having to say the same prayer, same prayer, and he says it was meaningless. So I think that, that, uh, passage, Anything you'd go through like that could be vain repetition. Uh, even even coming on a, a worship service can be vain repetition. I just come because I'm a Christian. Now, I don't sing with my heart in it. And I don't follow the prayer. And I can't wait for that preacher to get through. You know, anything can be vain repetition. Right, okay. So I didn't know if that was a good I can see, I can see how a Catholic would have problems with this verse because of the rosary, and they move beads forward saying "Hail Mary" x number of times, Mother of God. You see what I'm saying? So they're involved. They're involved in that. What all does that mean? Yeah, here. Let's say I got a rosary around my neck, and I'm moving a bead forward now. Hail Mary, Mother of God. Then I'm Hail Mary, Mother of God, and I move another one forward. Hail Mary, Mother of God. What does all that mean? You know, if that's not vain repetition, I wouldn't recognize it. Right. You know, and sometimes they're told in doing penance, well, I tell you what you do, uh, you Hail Mary 75 times with your uh, prayer beads, and uh, I thank God to forgive you. Well, that's vain repetition. Thanks a lot. Bye. If I'm not mistaken, that call and phone call come from the great state of Florida. All right. Uh. Now, I do want to make a comment on when he was saying, what about the people uh, crying out in Acts chapter 19, great is Diana of the Ephesians. I want you to, even though that's not a prayer, I want you to look at what that did. This is a prime example of when you actually take actions or take part of something and you have no idea what you're doing. When you read in the following verse, verse 29 of Acts 19, the whole city was filled with confusion. 
God gave us a brain. He gave us a mind, and he wants us to use common sense when we take action. Same thing the Proverbs writer would say in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't just half-heartedly and without thinking take part in an action. You have no idea what's going on. That's like, uh, Wesley, we were talking about a little bit earlier, even in chapel. Don't side against people of the brethren or even take sides in a quote-unquote battle that's not even yours to fight in when you have no idea what the details are. That's right. That's not our responsibility as Christians. We're to live this life in a peaceable and godly manner as best as we're able to. Okay, let me take the phone call. Arise to truth. You're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello, Wes. This is Marcus again. Okay, Marcus. Would you consider uh, vain repetition, like uh, saying, you know, saying something in your prayers that's not in line with the word of God? Is that, is that also included in that as well? You would say. Well, if you're praying not in harmony with His will, you're violating a, uh, another principle, and of course that definitely would be vain. If I pray to God, now my brother is a member of a denomination, or let's say he's atheist. He's an atheist, Lord, and I wish and I pray that you save him. Well, that's out of harmony with God's will. And I've prayed that a million times. It's, it's a vain reputation, but it's also mainly out of harmony with God's will. Okay. So basically just praying just to go through the, uh, going through the motions, you know, just doing it in your heart is not really in it. It's not really sincere. Yes. You know, you, you know that and God knows that most importantly. That's that's a vain repetition. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Bye. Well, see, I got a Catholic. uh, It's not a Bible. It's the thing that they have. But catechism. Yeah, it's that type of thing when the members come in there to do their worship service. They have to study this thing and memorize it. And they have to say the exact words at the right time. Just like the priest has to say the right words at the right time. It's all read out for him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now I went to a garage sale Saturday. And I picked up his Methodist. It is pretty much the same thing, a little booklet. And it tells him everything to say at the proper time for weddings, funerals. And uh, it's all written down for him. It doesn't come from the heart. It just They repeat the same thing over and over over again for all those events that take place. That's vain repetition. Yes. Yes, when you, when I'm told when I come here to Stony Creek, I've got to quote what some people call the Apostles' Creed over and over, you know, and so forth, then you get into vain repetition. That's right. You certainly do. And we got to make sure. See, the Bible says God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, let me ask you this. When I pray here publicly, and I lead a prayer for the congregation at Stony Creek, must my heart be in it? Must it be in harmony with the Father's will? Must it be sincere uh, requests that I'm making and needed and so forth? Certainly. Well, if I pray at home, it's got to be the same way. That's right. You know, or it's vain. And we don't want to be involved in vain worship whatsoever. See, let's do it this way. I guess we can do it this way, fellas. You can do a thing the wrong way. But you can do a thing the right way with the wrong attitude or motive. 
See, you can go, I, I can partake of the Lord's Supper. Let's just use it and be thinking about, oh, man, I hope we can hurry and get through with this because the Atlanta Braves are fixing to play here in a few minutes. Oh, man, why in the world is that person taking so long to get the piece of bread out of the tray? Lady, could you hurry? You know, it's it's dumb, you know, when I've got that kind of attitude. Uh, I remember one time partaking of the Lord's Supper, and there was a couple of young people in front of me, I'd say 14, 15 years old, members of the church, I assume, because they partook of the Lord's Supper. Well, they were asleep before the Lord's Supper. They had to wake them up to partake of the Lord's Supper, but at least they were consistent. After the Lord's Supper was over, they went back to sleep. Now, you mean to tell me they put their heart into any item of worship? I think not, because you can't do that, you know, and and so forth. Now, I realize sometimes you come to services all tired, Eutychus. Oh, he sat by the window and, and probably moved over by the window, fellas, to stay awake if the truth was known, get a little breeze blowing on him, went to sleep, fell out the window, killed himself, and Paul went down and raised him from the dead. Now, was his heart in his worship or not? Only God knows. See, God knows that. And that's the beautiful thing about Christianity. God knows the heart. And here's a man maybe that had worked all day. Now, remember, they didn't get the Lord's Day off like most of us do. And so here's a man probably that's uh, worked all day. He comes to worship. He's wore out. He sits in the window trying to stay awake and then falls asleep and falls out of the window and kills himself. Well, Paul went down and raised him from the dead. Well, I think the very fact that God was interested and raised him from the dead, and Paul did it, proves that probably he was very sincere in his efforts. Uh, Any other comments? All right, we thank you all for your phone calls, and we may have other listeners out there that want to call. Well, the phone number is 512-9226, 512-9226. Now, we got a lesson going right now. Is what if it's not in the Bible? Well, if it's not in the Bible, we've already noticed it's not a good work, and it does not pertain to life and godliness, and it causes one not to have God. Now, let's notice the verse again. Whosoever goeth onward and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. But he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. Now, you know, one thing that amazes me about that verse, the Holy Spirit's not even mentioned. And all you can hear from some people is, Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that. I talked to a fella yesterday on the phone. Or it might have been the day before yesterday. But anyway, I talked to him on the phone. And he said, oh, I've got to go to a church where they run up and down the aisle and they yell and they holler. Oh, and... And they shout and they do this, that, and the other. Said, as a matter of fact, God told me that's exactly where I need to be. No, God didn't tell him that. Now, he's gone beyond the word of God. And the Bible says, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine. How important is doctrine, Wesley? 
If somebody comes to your house and doesn't bring the doctrine, true doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. Don't do anything to encourage him. Now, that does not mean, ladies and gentlemen, that if a Jehovah's Witness comes to my door, that I can't invite them in. Oh, I usually always do, unless I'm extremely busy. Because I want them in my house because I'm fixing to open the Word of God. And I'm fixing to ask them a few questions from the Bible that hopefully will get them to think. And uh, I don't bid them Godspeed, but they make fast speed to get out of my home. And I can't understand that in view of the fact they're supposed to be out trying to help people. Now notice verse 11, for he that biddeth him Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. Now, see, if a man's teaching error and he needs some place to stay while he teaches error in this area, and I said, well, man, you can stay with Kay and me. You don't have to worry about a house. Well, I'm bidding him Godspeed. And we'll feed you. I'll tell you what, we'll even drive you back and forth to the tent meeting that you're holding. Don't you worry, we'll help you. God Almighty says, Wesley, you better not do that. You're bidding a person like that Godspeed. Now, if that's true, ladies and gentlemen, that's true. There's 45,000 different religious groups that claim to be following the Bible. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out something's wrong. But the Bible's right. Somebody is bidding Godspeed to these false teachers. On our radio program, Arise the Truth out of Chattanooga, we converted a lady in Cleveland, Tennessee. And we usually always like to go around if we can and see those that's been converted. So we went to see Bess, and what a wonderful person. But when I walked into her house, and we went in through the kitchen door, and she had a little area that dropped about 11 inches all the way around the kitchen. And I looked up there, and there was every denominational preacher you could think of, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, uh, all of them. And I thought, oh, my, all this lady's done is change religions. She no, no more knows truth than a, a telephone pole would know truth. And she caught me looking at them. She said, there's something, aren't they? I said, yes, ma'am, they are. She said, Wesley? I have sent them thousands and thousands of dollars, and I've helped them damn the souls of no telling how many people. And now I found out that there's only one church, and Jesus Christ established it. And all responsible people everywhere has got to be a member of that one church. And I want to leave those pictures up there so people ask me about them, because I want to tell the world these people are deceiving people and sending them to hell. And I said, praise God, she's got it. She's got it. She understands that Jesus died for one church. Friends, you can have 15 different preachers in this studio right now giving 15 different answers on what must I do to be saved and all 15 of them being right. I believe any of them. Yeah. That caused one to have a disbelief in God, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. That's why there's so many atheists now. I mean, Christianity in America is, well, the world is a laughing stock. That's why you think people in America is turning to the Muslim religion. Christianity is a laughing stock. Uh, 
we've made fools out of God and out of Christ and out of the Holy Spirit and the Bible by claiming we go by the Bible and we all teach something differently. Now, you can introduce another point if you want to, Ethan, or build on what's been said. Well, you know, I think it's funny, and especially if we have anyone who's listening to the program who is a member of maybe the Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, some something else besides the Church of Christ, I would challenge you to think critically about the idea, well, what they're saying, okay, whatever, it's whatever, we can just go along to get along. No, we can't. If Jesus didn't die for truth, if Jesus did not make the way open for the Father and us to have access to the Father by him, then what in the world are we doing? We cannot say, oh, yeah, there's only uh, one church, but my church is right, too. No, that's two churches. That's two doctrines that lead to truth. We cannot stand on truth and error at the same time. There's only one way. That's exactly right, Ethan. And guess what that clock has called us? You see, there's a standard for everything. And there's a standard for how long we can be on the air. And if we play by the rules, we got to go by it. Well, if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to play by the rules. And so am I. Well, what must you do to be saved? Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Now, if you don't do that, if you try to do it another way, God calls you a thief and a robber. If you try to do it by the sinner's prayer, faith only, grace only, one church is good as another, not biblical. Friends, if you'll obey the gospel plan of salvation, the Lord will add you to his church, not a man-made church. Be faithful when the rose called up yonder. You'll be there. Hey, thank you much for being with us. And may God richly bless you as you continue to study the greatest of all books, the inspired, inerrant, perfect will of God.